You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. We're going to begin in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. And as I mentioned, we're going to be looking today at the story of Mary and how this conversation with an angel caused her to look up, caused her to be stretched in her faith, as we've been talking about throughout this year. Luke, again, is the author of this. He is a doctor, and he's very detail-oriented. He wants to write an orderly account of the life of Christ, so he does extensive research, and he talks to eyewitnesses as much as he possibly can. This was a guy who traveled with the Apostle Paul. He was not a contemporary of Jesus in the sense that he walked with Jesus and was with Jesus, but afterwards he became a follower of Jesus, and so he wanted to go around and figure out exactly the story of Christ. So he did as much research as he could, which leads us to chapter 1 and verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Now, I want you to notice from the get-go, we're going to kind of set the stage here, give you the cast and the characters and the the setting for this particular story. Uh, But I want you to notice, first of all and foremost, that God always is the initiator. God is always the sovereign chooser. It says that God sent the angel and Mary was his choice. And God is still in the business of choosing people. He's still in the business of calling us to himself. And so wherever you find yourself, if someone has invited you and you're kind of still exploring faith in Jesus, you're not quite sure about all this, just know that God is calling you to himself today through his word. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to invite you to begin to follow his son. And he wants you to have that personal connection to him. And we see this very clearly in this choosing that God does in these verses. So the cast. First of all, you'll see that Elizabeth is mentioned. And Elizabeth was Mary's relative. We don't know their exact, um, the nature of their exact relationship. Might have been cousins. We don't know for sure. But Mary and and, uh, Elizabeth were related. Her husband was Zachariah, and the two of them became the parents of John, and we would know him as John the Baptist, the one who was telling people before Jesus came that Jesus was coming. That was John's role. And so that's his parents, Elizabeth and Zechariah. Gabriel is one of two messengers, angels, that are named by name in the Scripture. And the last time we've heard from an angel in the Scripture was over four centuries before this occasion. So this is a rare sighting uh, of an actual angel that we have depicted in the Scripture. And his job was to bring good news. Nazareth is the setting for this, Nazareth in Galilee. Nazareth is not named in the Old Testament. This is the first time that we begin to see this little town, very out of the way, about 75 to maybe 100 miles north of Jerusalem, kind of an out-of-the-way spot for God to do His thing, but that's how God does His thing so many times. He picks the most um, obscure people and obscure places to do His most miraculous things. That's the nature of this God that chooses us. He comes to Joseph, and we're going to see that next week. But Joseph was the husband of Mary, and he was a carpenter. He's legally connected to the Davidic throne. It was very important for the story of Luke, as he unpacks this, to connect Jesus to the fact that Jesus was the Messiah. And in doing so, uh, Matthew records in his gospel the list, the genealogy. You know all those names about who, who had him, and he had him, and he had him? That's extremely important for us to be able to see the connection. And so through Matthew's line, 
we see Joseph's story and we see that he's connected to the, the throne which would give Jesus the legal right to be able to be king, to be Messiah. Then in Luke chapter 3, we see Mary's line and that gives him also the bloodline to be able to be the Messiah, to be the king of kings. And so we see Mary and Joseph both from the, the Davidic line, King David from the Old Testament that we've talked about many, many times. You've heard about David and Goliath or David and Bathsheba. That's the David that we're talking about. And the last thing that it mentions there is that they were pledged to be husband and wife. Now, that was basically marriage without any sexual intimacy for a year. That's kind of the ideal of this. So they didn't live together. They weren't together. But Joseph was preparing the house for about a year. He was getting everything ready. Mary was proving her faithfulness and her purity during that time. They both would remain virgins until they would come together and be in that marriage moment and marriage ceremony early, early time of uh, the teenage years, differently than what our culture does today. Uh, But I think it's a beautiful picture of what marriage is supposed to be in our culture today, their picture of that back then. And again, they were betrothed, they were considered together as one. If one of them would have died, the other one would have been considered a widow or uh, or a widow. So that's this little bit of the context, a little bit of the story that you have going into this. Let's pick it up in verse 28. The angel went to her and said, and he's going to express a blessing. He's going to speak a blessing upon her. Greetings, you who are highly, would you say that next word for me? Favored. Let's do it one more time. Favored. Okay. That means she was a recipient of God's sovereign grace. Blessings to you, Mary. You are highly favored. The Lord is with you. What a beautiful story this is and what, how incredible it is that the angel would say that. In this moment, when her life is about to change, she's never going to be the same. God reassures her, I'm with you in this. This journey that you're about to take, as difficult as it may be, as hard as this may be, as awesome as this may be, in the good days and in the bad days, I am with you, God says to her through the angel. Mary was greatly troubled. In other words, she was perplexed. She was confused. She knew she was a sinner. She knew she was not perfect. And here this angel comes to her and says, seriously, you're favored by God. God has chosen you. And she's disturbed by that. She's confused. She's perplexed. She doesn't fully get it at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found what? Favor with God. Again, that recipient of God's grace idea. That's the favor of God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great. Other translations say he's going to be extraordinary. He's going to be splendid, magnificent, noble, distinguished, powerful, eminent. All of those things are embodied in how this great God is, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. In nature, God himself that's the picture that we have here. Then Luke is going to record what the angel says that connects this beautifully to the Old Testament and the prophetic words of the writers of the Old Testament. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. That's the King David we were just talking about. And he will reign over jo- uh, Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And that was the fulfillment of what would be said to uh, David in 2 Samuel chapter 7, where it says that your house and your kingdom, they're going to endure forever before me, God says. Your throne will be established forever. Gabriel was now saying that prophecy, that promise, that's coming true with your child, Mary. 
he's going to be awesome. How can this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow or surround you or encompass you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. This is the fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14, where Isaiah, hundreds of years before this moment, would have prophesied, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, God with us. This Jesus, this great, amazing, magnificent child would be God in the flesh. And I think it's such a beautiful picture of the purity of Joseph and the purity of Mary. And I just want to just take a quick moment. This isn't what the whole story is about, but I feel like it'd be pastoral malpractice if I didn't challenge those of you who are students, those of you who are young adults, those of you who are in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s, and 80s, and maybe 90s. I don't know if we've got anybody in their 90s. But if you're not married, to stay pure and stay holy, stay righteous until you are married. It's such a beautiful, beautiful story here. And the virgin birth is absolutely preeminent to our understanding of Jesus being able to die a sinless, spotless lamb. And I love that God was able to find a young virgin in Mary and in Joseph to be able to choose to have his son. And I would love for that to be the case in our culture today. It's so not the case in our world today to maintain our sexual purity. But let me just encourage you to consider what God's story has to say to you today in that arena, that his desire for you is his, in his gift, one of your best gifts that you can give your spouse is your virginity. Again, this isn't what the text is about, but it's something that I felt like the pastor in me just had to tell you today. Enough of that. Let's move on. <laughs> Verse 36 goes on, he says, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. Again, it's going to be a sign, Mary. I need some confirmation here, God. Could you help me out? Well, here's a sign. And, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. And then this, these next two verses are where the power of this story comes into play. For no word from God will ever fail. Nothing is impossible with God is another way that can be translated. Nothing is impossible with God. What you face today, nothing is impossible with God in the midst of that. No matter how dark or deep or hopeless it may seem to you, God's word says no word from him will ever fail. And I want to encourage you to lean into that, to trust that, to put your faith wholeheartedly in whatever circumstances you may find yourself in to lean into that today. And her response to this is just second to none. This is why God chose her, because he knew, I think, deep down inside that this would be her response. She says, God, I'm all in. Here's how she put it. I am the Lord's servant. You could also say slave or bond slave. The, she, she literally, it's like she recounts the story of Hannah. Her words are the same words that Hannah uses in the Old Testament when, God, when, she, when Hannah's talking with her heavenly father and is talking about the birth of her son. 
She says, God, I'm all in. I'm your servant. I'm your slave. You do whatever you want. So she says that same statement, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. So a couple of observations from Mary's story that I think are good reminders for us today. Simple, but profound. The first one is simply that God's promises will be fulfilled. His word is true. You can trust him. And the things that you sense him as you spend time with him in prayer, as you spend time with him in his word, the things that you feel like he drops into your heart or maybe your general promises throughout the scripture, those things, he's going to stand by. He's going to be with you in those circumstances that you face the, the things that causing you to look out, to look up, that are stretching you, that are maybe even straining you, God's promises will be fulfilled and His sovereign will will be accomplished. And He accomplishes His purposes through people who trust Him, who obey His word and humbly submit to His will. My heart's cry for all of us today is that you would be able to say, Lord, I'm trusting you, I'm obeying you, and I'm fully submitted to your will. Mary was poor, she was young, and she was a woman. Three strikes and you're out in that culture. She was about as um, an, a bad candidate as you could get to do something amazing through in the eyes of the culture of that day. Seemingly unusable by God for an amazing, impossible task like this. But God chose Mary intentionally for one of the most important acts of obedience that he has ever asked anyone. And you may feel that your abilities, that your experience or your education makes you an unlikely candidate for God's service. But can I just tell you that you should not limit God's choices? If God is choosing you, when God chooses you, he will be with you in that. He will send his spirit to come upon you and to live inside of you, to help you to live a life. He, he can use you if you will trust him. That's fantastic news for us today. We can be used by God. So as I was reading through this and I was thinking about the favor of God, what did the favor of God look like in Mary's life? What did it sound like? I think it we tend to think of the Mary story now and how awesome it was and how we celebrate her, we honor her. And yes, she is the chosen son of our Savior. But the favor of God in her life sounded a lot like gossip, sounded a lot like a marriage that almost broke up before it even got started as her fiancé almost left her. It sounded a lot like adultery charges which she could have been stoned to death for. Sounded a lot like awkward conversations around the Thanksgiving. Yeah, well, yes, I'm pregnant. Don't know how to explain it, but yep, I'm pregnant. Imagine the odd comments and the family tension and the ridicule. It would lead to much pain. Her peers would ostracize her. Her son would be rejected and murdered. We tend to think about how awesome it was for Mary, but this favor, this sovereign grace, and this sovereign choice of God would lead to difficulty. But because she was faithful, because she obeyed, and because she trusted God, we now honor her and celebrate her because she chose to take the path that would follow her into God, that would follow into God's will for her life. And now her son is our Savior. 
This only begotten Son of God died in our place so that we might have life eternal. You got all that awkwardness and the divorce and the gossip and all the difficulty and the family tension. You've also got the Holy Spirit coming upon her. You've also got literally Jesus living inside of her. And her submission was part of God's plan to bring about your salvation and mine. Now, what would it be like for us to experience the favor of God today? Well, thankfully, I think the Apostle Paul did a fantastic job of describing what that's like. In fact, he uses the same word that the angel uses to describe the favor of God upon our lives today on this side of the cross. In Ephesians chapter 1, I want to read several verses here, and I want to point out to you when he uses this phrase, this idea of this divine favor. Verse 3 of Ephesians 1, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. On a weekend where we talk all about thanksgiving and all the things that we're thankful for, there's a lot there to be grateful for. All praise. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. We have been united with Christ even before you were born. Even before your parents were born, your grandparents, your great-grandparents, before Noah, before Abraham, before Moses, before Adam and Eve, God chose to love you. And he chose you to be holy in his sight. God decided, here's his sovereign choice again, in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. No one forced him. This is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for, and here's, here's the phrase that it's translated in, this, in the New Living, for the glorious grace. That's the same word for favor. Glorious grace. We praise him for his favor. He's poured it out. He's freely given it to us on those who belong to his dear son. Can somebody say thank God for that? Yeah. So we are praising God for this glorious grace. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom. You don't have to be in bondage any longer. You don't have to be in shackles. The person that you're concerned about, that you were maybe with this weekend, that you're just looking at them, you're saying their life is such a mess. They're so empty. They're so far from God. You can begin to say, God, would you help them to come to yourself? God, would you, like you did with Mary and with Joseph and with everybody in all of eternity, would you call them to yourself? Would you draw them to yourself? And would you help them to find the freedom that you purchased through your son? And he forgave our sins. That's good news today. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. So is the Lord's favor, is his glorious grace upon you today? Are you living in light of that or are you taking it for granted? Have you forgotten what the spiritual blessings of God are? 
Are you living so distant from Him and, and you were once close, but you feel very far today? Today's the day to come home. Today's the day to reconnect with your Heavenly Father. Again, for some of you, you're exploring all of this. You're asking questions. You want to know what it's like to live in relationship with the Creator and Sustainer of the universe. This is it right here. Yes, it's going to be tough. Yes, it's going to be difficult. Jesus said, in this, tro- in this world, we're going to have trials. We're going to have tribulations. We're going to have difficulties. Mary experienced them. Joseph experienced them. They couldn't explain it. But God used them to bring salvation through their son to you and I today. And how open are you to being humbly submitted to the will of your heavenly father? That's the the point of this whole story in my mind. As I read through these verses and I see Mary's response, I put it in your notes again for you to just focus on. Her response is, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. What an amazing response from somebody who's poor. She's a woman. She's in an obscure town. She's young. Nobody's going to listen to her. Nobody's going to pay attention to her. She said, God, I got no idea what all this means, but I'm yours. No wonder he chose her. And just in case this week an angel appears before you, I thought it might be a good idea for us to practice our response to this. Okay? Now, if anybody says an angel appeared in your house this week and told you you're going to bear God's son, you better come see me because he's not going to do that. Okay? But God might come up through his word, through his Holy Spirit, in your times of prayer. He might just might appear in a really cool way if you'd be looking for him, if you'd be waiting for him through a whisper. I don't know, maybe an angel will come to your doorstep this week. But what would your response be? What is your response today? As you think about what God's been calling you to do, we have 25 days till Christmas. What are you going to do with these next 25 days in preparation to celebrate the birth of this one that we follow? So let's practice this together. I'll say it again. You can kind of get prepared. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Can we just say that together out loud? I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. I'm all in, God. I say yes before you even ask me. That's the way that goes down in our vernacular today. One more time, let's practice it together. I know that may have been a little hard for some of us, kind of, (laughs) don't know if I can really say that with all my heart, but here we go. Let's do it one more time. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Imagine if you lived every day with those words on your lips. In every conversation with your heavenly Father, Lord, I'm all in. Whatever you say, I will do. This is going to be hard. This is going to be difficult at times. But maybe you should put this on your dashboard. Maybe you should put this at your desk. Maybe you should um, put it on your bathroom mirror, put it on your refrigerator. I don't know where this lands with you today. I don't know what God's been saying to you or what he's saying right now to you in this moment. But I know he wants to speak to you. And he doesn't want you to waste these next 25 days. These next 25 days between now and Christmas as we work through this series, you'll have a story to tell. And I want the story that you tell to be one of submission, 
of obedience, of living a life in every encounter where, yeah, you're going to make some mistakes along the way. Yeah, none of us are going to be perfect. But we will live in light of God's favor, His promises, and we will help His purposes to be accomplished by the posture and by our humility. Mary's dramatic encounter with Gabriel ends with these words, And the angel departed from her. Gabriel's mission was accomplished. Jesus would be born. The only begotten Son of God, He would save His people from, his, from their sins. He would save us. He is the divine Redeemer, the holy offspring, and the divine King whose kingdom will never, ever, ever end. And our job, our responsibility as His followers is to help bring His kingdom now in our generation. So what's going to be on top of your tree this year? How many of you, just let me see your hands real quick. How many of you have already put up your trees? Let me see hands. Okay, keep them up for a minute. Let me just get a count out there. All right. So when you go home today and you look at your tree topper, what's that going to remind you of? I want you to think about that. Every time that you plug in your lights this year, every time you look at your tree topper, every time you drive by, it was in, it was in um, I was down, downtown and saw two of the big trees that are down there, and I was looking at the tree toppers, and I just, I can't help but constantly think of God's favor and God's promises being fulfilled. And that's what I hope you'll walk away with today, that your, your life would bear the fact that you are experiencing and are a recipient of God's grace and His mercy. And as you look at your tree, every time you look there and you turn on your lights and you see that, I hope you'll remember His amazing grace, His favor, and that you would invite Him to fulfill His purposes in your life. Would you stand with me? And I'm going to pray. Lord, thanks so much for Your Word. Thank you for leaving these stories intact for us all these years later. Thanks for the research that a man named Luke did to put these stories in our hands so that we could see and understand the depth, the birth of our Lord and Savior. Thank you for Mary and for her response to humbly submit herself, to obey you. Thank you, Lord, for choosing her, for choosing Joseph, for doing all that you did to ensure that Jesus would be born. Thank you for choosing us, for drawing us to yourself. Lord, we wrestle with having that same exact response sometimes. It's hard for us to always say yes to everything. But would you grant us the strength, the willingness? Would you come upon us by the power of your Holy Spirit, overshadow us, permeate our minds and our hearts and may we be able to leave today stretched by your promises, stretched by your purposes, that those things would be accomplished in our lives, that we would be obedient to you and to your word, that we would be submissive to your will, that we would put our trust in you. And Lord, we're going to have opportunities with family. We're going to have opportunities with friends and office celebrations and, and homes and in other places that we'll be celebrating throughout this month, Lord, would you help us to keep in mind that we are still the bearers of your good news. And for those that are exploring faith today, may that, 
May this word have found a lodging place within them. Pray that they'll come back and to continue to explore putting their trust in you. Help us, Lord, as we look at our trees, as we look at our decorations, as we think about the blessings in our lives, to be humbled by your love and your mercy and your grace in our lives. Thank you for choosing us. Help us to choose you back, to follow you with everything that's within us. Thanks for stretching us, for causing us in these moments to look up to you in faith. Thanks for the songs that have been sung today, for the prayers that have been prayed. Would you seal all this by the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit? It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Amen. Next week, we'll be looking at Joseph and the angel. The following week, the shepherds and the angels. And the last week, we'll be looking at uh, the magi and the star. God bless you. Thanks again so much for being here. If you're new today, I'd love to meet you. I'll be down here around the front. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.